what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Dr. Script, where we are going through today's movie, Scooby-Doo, live-action version uh, from, from 2002. 20, from 2002. <laughs> going under surgery with me today is the one and lo- lovely Sam Penelis. There's only one lovely, and that is me. Thank you. I... I'm excited to talk about Scooby-Doo. I, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, and I remember loving it a lot when I was a lot younger. Definitely something I watched when I was younger also. I was a big fan of the cartoon growing up. I watched all the new versions of it as a kid, and I've watched a couple of the new episodes of the TV shows, and I sort of liked where they're doing with it now, and it's going to be fun to talk about this first live-action movie. Yeah, so uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on it, uh, having seen it now after all these years? I laughed a lot more than I thought I was going to. There is some low-key adult humor in it that keeps you entertained, while with some other like very unneeded child humor, I feel like. Definitely a lot of fart jokes, snot jokes. It, it definitely feels like the, uh, the movie of two masters, one who wanted to age it up and make it make it a fun bop through the, through the woods, and the studio-mandated PG version. Yep, and just to give everyone a quick little context of the film, if you haven't seen it or if it's been a while, Zoinks! The Mystery Inc. gang have gone their separate ways, and they've been apart for two years now, until each of them receives a mysterious letter from Spooky Island. Not knowing that the others have been invited also, they discover an amusement park that has been infecting young visitors in strange ways. Now... The gang has to come together and realizes that they need to stay together to solve this mystery. Kind of. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, that's the the good synopsis for it. The best that, that that we could do in a couple sentences. I just want to start off. I thought the opening scene was pretty fun. Yeah. I liked it. I think it very captured the tone of what Scooby Doo usually is. It's very cartoony. You had a little celebrity cameo there at the end. I feel like they introduced the characters in a way that, even if you haven't seen the shows, you sort of understand pretty fast. Yeah, the opening scene is basically like a like a classic Scooby-Doo climax, where it's, you know, they're at a spooky factory, and there's a ghost that's been haunting people in it, and it's up to the Scooby gang to do it, and there's a plan in place, but Daphne gets kidnapped, and Fred's trying to be the leader, and then Scooby and Shaggy accidentally save the day as they are wont to do. And it was a good, it was like it reminded you of what it was, but then they also kind of, you know, commented on and made fun of the, the silliness of the situation around them. And I, it was a good time, it was a good thing. I think that's the, that was what they wanted to go for the whole time, I think. Yeah, they definitely knew what they were making, I feel like. Like, they understood, like, this is a cartoon show. We need to sort of make fun of the formula at times, while also sort of staying true to what the cartoony and zaniness of the TV show was. Mm-hmm. After the opening scene, however, it starts to fall apart a little because they all break up immediately after having this successful mystery solved. Yeah, like there's, they're like frustrated, but it sounds like they have, like this has been a problem for a while. So if they were, if they're going to break up, I feel like now is not the time to do it because everything is, is the same as it's always been. Yeah, I feel like they could have done, they could have avoided the whole breakup part. They could have had tensions going into Spooky Island, but I don't think they needed to have the official breakup and mm-hmm. cut to two years later. Like, the only thing that makes the two years acceptable is that Daphne can now be part of a Black Belt crew. 
And I feel like there's a way you could have figured Daphne being a badass in between flying over and flying back. Like, she could have been like, no, guys, like, trust me. I've been taking these classes, and then she gets kidnapped, and mm-hmm. be like, okay, uh, sounds like you got scammed from those classes, Daph. And she's like, no. And then when she actually does get to Spooky Island, she has a point to actually, like, flex on her new skills. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a good idea, making sure they don't break up, but tensions are now, like, at their highest, because they probably, you know, if we're going to follow the formula, they probably would break up somewhere around, like, two-thirds of the way through, or, like, halfway through, and then, you know, they got to work together to get to reform the team while they're still on Spooky Island. Yeah, I think, like, if they had gone to Spooky Island and they were immediately like, oh, this is going to be a simple investigation, I can do this on my own, like, well, I can beat you, and then that's sort of where they had the split. Mm -hmm. Because they could just easily be like, yeah, it's definitely, like, the Mr. Beans guy over (laughs) here. And then, because they they figure out who the bad guy is halfway through the movie anyways. It's not till the end that we find out it's Scrappy. Spoilers for Scooby-Doo, the bad guy's Scrappy. (laughs) (laughs) So just going through the rest of the plot, they get together, they go to Spooky Island, Scooby dresses up as a grandma. Honestly, that didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Again, I feel like it stays in tune with the tone of what Scooby-Doo was about. I could totally see the cartoon doing something like that. I'm not saying it's the most clever joke ever. It stays in tone and it's not offensive, so it's a classic joke and then he gets on the plane and then there's a cat... Then mm-hmm. he's a dog, so he chases the cat, and it's 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 bonkers. Then we are introduced to Shaggy's love interest, Mary Jane. Done very much on purpose. Yes. Oh, dude, it's like his favorite thing, like favorite That's name. That's my favorite name. No way. No, I mean it. And then she eats Scooby Snacks, too, so. Wow, because they're all vegetarian. Yep. Then we get to the Spooky Island, introduced to villain of the whole script, Mr. Beans. His name is just going to be Mr. Beans. Yeah, he's got some weird character name, so it's just, it's played by Mr. Bean. And we just sort of get around, see what's up with the whole island that these students are entering very rowdy and, like, drunk and leaving very sober and, like, put together. And, you know, that's definitely enough to get the gang together to just figure out what's going on. (laughs) Which is, it's kind of a good joke when they tell it in the first place where it's like, they pass by and uh, he's like, do you see anything weird about these kids? And then Velma's like, no, they look like normal, sober, well-adjusted college students. And the guy's like, exactly. That makes no sense. That's kind of funny. Uh, So that's the main thing they're trying to solve. And we sort of just get to know the island a bit more as we walk around through. Velma goes and sees this bald-headed guy do a little like song and dance where her boyfriend of the film is around next to her, but they never introduce each other, yeah. and then she, like, just walks away. No, there's, like, there's the scene where they're standing next to each other, and it's clearly a two-shot, like, where the two of them are standing next to each other, but the dude never says anything, <laughs> and, but he's still very much in focus through the whole thing, and then he doesn't say anything, and then later they're at a uh, at a bar. He starts talking to Velma. And they're just talking like they've been friends for a little while. There might have been a little a uh, little something cut out of the movie. I believe there was because we don't even know what Velma's boyfriend's name is. Nope, we never he, get that. He's Led Zeppelin T-shirt guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we know that he's a cool guy because he wears a Led Zeppelin T-shirt. Uh, some other stuff. Scooby gets tricked to going into the forest to get a bag of hamburgers. Which we never find out why that happens, though. I think they're trying to capture him so they don't. They have the sacrifice ready to go. I guess. That just seems like such a weird plan. 
Yeah. Oh, well, it's scrappy, you know. Do we yeah. think he thought, actually... No, I'd, he probably didn't think it through. He was just like, ah, oh, food, we can get that pretty fast. Yeah. Scooby gets led into the woods, and then we see the monster for the first time. Yep. I think they could have built up the monster a bit more. Mm -hmm. Like, if we had a point of view of the monster slowly getting onto Scooby, maybe a hand or two, and then the reveal. The problem is the reveal of the monster is, like, a really tall bunny. Like, Well, the reveal's not even, like, that much of a reveal. Like, it it just happens. It's like, hey, here's a monster. Yep. Like, we're not... If you're watching this movie and you haven't seen any previews, you're not expecting there to be real monsters in this. Yeah, which is, I always thought was weird that the gang was always like, no, monsters aren't real. Like, it's all this and that. But I'm like, you have a talking dog. What's your... <laughs> What's your over-under <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs> the possibility of monsters being real? Uh, I digress. Then we get the group together and they go into a spooky ride that's been down for a bit for being a little too violent. That was really fun. I would say one thing of the film, it does has a really nice production design to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you do feel like you're on this island, that they have their own little, like, culture and, like, vibe with it all. It's similar to the opening scene, whenever they have these, like, set pieces that makes it feel like old, like, classic Scooby-Doo, but also making fun of it. That's that's when they, when they hit their stride, is when they do, like, those. It only happens, like, two or three times, but it, it works when they do it. And then right after the classic little ride scene... Uh, they the group gets split together, mm-hmm. and Shaggy and Scooby, man, they have one of the funniest scenes of oh the millennium, man. Dude, it's a Kids' Choice Award winning scene right there. That's how you know it's a, a great thing. Uh, what what do they do? It's just Scooby and Shaggy farting and burping, and they have a competition about it. And man, I was just on the ground laughing my ass off. Dude, it was the it was the prime real estate for the best the best comedy you could ask for the thing that gets me about that scene is that shaggy the guy who plays shaggy was clearly alone when he had to film that (laughs) he had to put his all into that scene to make it sell while he's trying to talk to this non-existent dog it's a real modern day roger rabbit honestly uh roger rabbit has nothing on on scooby in this sense at some point during this contest, Daphne grabs like a like a pyramid like object and Fred and Velma discover that they're like brainwashing these kids into like being part of a cult. Uh yeah. And then you know, for a family picture. Yeah. A family movie. And then the they escape, go back to the hotel, and this is where Velma's boyfriend meets up with them and they have a flashback. And talk about Scrappy-Doo. I was never a huge, like... I I liked Scrappy-Doo. I didn't have a problem with him in the TV shows. I thought he was alright. I didn't think he was, like, ungodly annoying. But I wasn't, like, on the hate Scrappy train. Sure. You're allowed to have that opinion. Yeah. Except this movie tries your hardest to really hate for the guy in the first two minutes. Not even two minutes. The scene doesn't even last two minutes. <laughs> It, it's just a flashback of, like, Velma talking about the gang, like, in the good old days. And then Scrappy pops up, and he pees on Daphne. Yep. And, and then, then Fred gets mad because he's trying to mark his territory on his woman, I guess. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be a joke in there, but it, it really, they kind of dropped the ball on that. Yeah. And then Scrappy's like, that's it. You make me your leader, or I'm out of here. And then they kick Scrappy out to the curb. It's not just a curb, it's the middle of the desert. (laughs) They shove a puppy out on the side of the road. 
I really didn't like that as a kid, too. I think Scrappy's an orphan. Uh, well, he's, he's Scooby's that? nephew, and they never explain why Scooby's taking care of him. So you could have just assumed that Scooby's, like, brother and sister died. Oh, that, like, that's why he has to take care of Scrappy. But you could also just assume that his parents don't want to take care of him either. Yeah. Yeesh. So, for Scooby and the gang to just throw Scrappy on the side of the road, not very in character with them, where I would say throughout the rest of the movie, they are very like, oh yeah, this is definitely Velma, this is definitely Daphne, but that scene right there just really, you don't like these people after that, or well, you don't like their actions. Yeah, like, you you feel for Scrappy, like that's, (laughs) he, sure, he peed on Daphne. But that's not that bad. He's just annoying. And you left a, a small dog to die. Yeah. I mean, how could you expect him not to die after that? Like, you found a way. Life but, finds a way. But. but also, if he lives, how do you not expect him to find you and, like, be really peeved about it? Yeah. You're, you're world-famous, like, TV, like, star detectives. Of course they're going to notice. Like, he's going to know where to find you. Yeah, yeah, that is another thing. These people are very, like, they're celebrities, too, in a way. Like, they're people trying to copy their styles, sign their magazines, yada, yada, yada. That's some bad PR right there if that got out. Yeah, yeah that's not uh, not very good, which also they probably were famous at the time. So, like, what was their excuse for Scrappy being kicked out of the group? Was it just, like, Scrappy decided to pursue personal projects? <laughs> he will no longer be joining us on Mysteries. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, after the flashback... Then we come back to the hotel where Velma is now, like, a little drunk with her boyfriend, or, you know, Led Zeppelin guy. Led Zeppelin t-shirt guy. And the whole hotel gets attacked by the monsters. Velma and Fred get kidnapped, whatever. Other four people come out, where it's Daphne, Scooby Shaggy, and Shaggy's girlfriend... Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Yeah, I mean, they just do They do another one of those chase sequences, which is kind of fun. I was hoping they were going to go in and out of the doors. Oh, my God. Oh, that would have <laughs> been great. I don't know if that would have been pushing it too much, but I was like, oh, there's something there. They could have done that. Yes. And then the bunny monsters are like, huh? And so another thing when I was talking about out of characterness, when they escape, they're hiding out, and Shaggy just wants to ditch the whole group and save himself where I don't think that's what he would do. He would try and save Velma and Fred. I mean, in the show, like, he's always, you know, kind of a coward where he's like, Zoinks, guys, I think we should just head out of here. And it makes sense that he'd want to leave, but, I mean, these these are real monsters that have kidnapped his friends, and I feel like he would not fully abandon them, or he would say, let's get out of here and get the cops. Yeah. Or, like, let's get out of here and get someone else to come get them. But just saying, no, let's just leave. Let's go. But also, that doesn't make much sense if they're world-famous detectives and they're now going to this island. And if they suddenly disappear, won't, <laughs> won't that won't that cause kind of like a bit of a, a media frenzy? I don't know. Mm. Anyways, so one after that scene, it did get me thinking about like how often these monsters attack. Because also, there is a voodoo guy that's in the area mm-hmm. that never gets caught. Or, like, tells or warns new people that, you know, you're about to be attacked by monsters. Like, he could have been the crazy neighbor. Like, guys, watch out. Monsters come at night. They're going to take you. And they're like, oh, he's just the crazy voodoo guy. Like, don't pay too much attention to him. Yeah. 
Well, he's like in two scenes and he like doesn't do anything. He's never kidnapped. And he's always like, man, these things on this island are pretty, pretty crazy. I gotta, I gotta protect myself. And he also tells Daphne to like, don't go to the spooky castle, <laughs> but he has nothing to do with the spooky castle. And he probably doesn't know what's going on with the spooky castle. Yeah. So why would he tell her, don't go to the spooky castle? It just, it was just a nice plot convenience that he told her not to. It was a very good warning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, the next day they could wake up and find out that everything's back to normal and that Fred is like being a douche. Do a surfer bro, Fred. Uh, and then he attacks them. Yep. Then he attacks them. They end up getting split up. I think Velma gets kidnapped again. They have a car chase or a bike race. Scooby finds out that Mary Jane is a monster, that Shaggy and him have a fight. Uh, which is not deserved at all. I thought that was a little like, wow, that came out of left field. I mean, it was out of left field so that they could have a, a reconciliation later. Yeah, but there's there could have been some more tension throughout the movie of them being like, hey, like you're hanging out with her a lot more and not me, like mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there definitely could have been something else to make the, instead of like, hey, she's a monster. No, she's not. I hate you, Shaggy. Fight. And then Scooby, like, falls down, like, a trapdoor, and Mr. Bean gets him and tells him that he needs to become a sacrifice. And then Scooby is just, like, very down for being a sacrifice. Because, again, the joke there is supposed to be he doesn't know what a sacrifice is, but no one ever actually explains to him what a sacrifice (laughs) is. So then, anyways. They could have been like, oh, yeah, after you become a sacrifice, like, you get unlimited food, all the Scooby snacks you want. Yeah. Anything that your heart desires, like, wow, being a sacrifice is awesome. Or even just, you could have just said, he could have been like, a sacrifice, and then end the scene with him just, you know, classic joke, what's that? And then you just cut away. Yeah. And then he just doesn't know what a sacrifice is, rather than him being like, you could just kill me. (laughs) I'm okay with that. That's like, (laughs) Scooby needs to talk to someone. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, Zoinks. Zoinks, man. (laughs) Jeepers. Oh, and does... Is that when Shaggy discovers the well? Yes, and then right after that, Shaggy finds the well of souls and plucks out Velma, Fred, and Daphne's souls and then just leaves everyone else's souls just chilling yeah. after that. Not even that. He actually, while he's looking for Daphne's soul, he pulls out <laughs> someone else and the guy's like, oh, thank you so much. I, I can finally return to my home. And then he's like, sorry, I'm looking for my friends and puts them back in. <laughs> just a little funny, but you could also just throw the soul back out there, he'll find his body, and then he could tell the police and be like, dude, this crazy stuff's happening. Go to Spooky Island. Yeah, exactly. And then they'd be like, hey, sir, this, these these phone calls are meant for it to be serious and not a joke. Yeah, and then we just follow a whole spinoff movie of this guy trying to convince people that monsters are real. Exactly. He becomes the voodoo guy. Yeah. Oh my god, what if, it's a vo- what if that was the voodoo guy? He has to go back <laughs> in time to try and stop this, and then he becomes the voodoo guy on the island. You know, that actually, I mean, that could have been the voodoo guy's backstory. Like, I was a soul once, and then I got back here, and this is all here. Maybe that is his, maybe he has a whole backstory that they never even, they could have written and didn't tell us, or they just had in mind, or they could have just changed it and just not explained the voodoo guy, because laziness. Yeah, the voodoo guy is just, like, not needed, you know? He has... A joke where he's just like, yeah, I have this weird contraption. Not like this weird mythical thing that protects me. And that's like all his jokes. Oh, yeah. And all he, he like, he, he's the one who tells them that they're going to steal Scooby's soul. Yeah. And like put it in the machine because apparently Scooby has a pure soul. Yeah. Which 
We also never explain why Scooby has a pure soul. I don't think Scooby has a pure soul. He left his <laughs> he left nephew, his nephew on the road, and then he like in this movie he's very like fight like driven. You can see that the scrappy in his blood. Yes, like, he punches Fred, karate chops Shaggy by mistake, and then tries to get in another fight with Shaggy. Actually, yeah, a lot of the characters and, like, things that happen in this movie are very Scrappy-esque. <laughs> like, the things that people hate Scrappy for. But that's beside the point. So, Velma, Daphne, and Fred's souls are returned to their body. Well, they have the body switch up first. <laughs> oh, no. Where then Fred sexualizes Velma, being like, yeah, I get to look at myself naked. Yeah. Which, yeesh. I know the movie got away with, like, not being that offensive throughout the whole thing. It didn't. It wasn't a very 2000 movie yeah. until then. Yep. Well, it was a pretty 2000 movie, like, just with the hairstyles well, yeah. and the songs. And... It very clearly is just trying to riff on the, uh, the, ni- uh, the 2000s and the late 90s. Exactly. But they have their little body snatch up, then they meet up, switch the bodies back into their right bodies. But we'll come back to this, but just remember that, okay? Yeah, there's a whole scene where they like have to switch, like they, the souls keep leaving their bodies and switching back and trying to find the right bodies. So then they go to the voodoo guy who tells them that, hey, yeah, they're using Scooby because he's a pure soul, he's going to get killed. Then they come up with a plan to save Scooby and everyone else. Mm-hmm. They start the plan, goes a little upry, but they end up saving Scooby, and then we find out that the bad guy is Scrappy-Doo. It's Scrappy-Doo and a Mr. Bean robot. Woo! Woo. <laughs> uh, yes, Ms. Scrappy was the bad guy the whole time, and he's now he's got the little pyramid thing in his chest that's sucking up souls, and he's got <laughs> enough souls that he turns into a monster Scrappy. Yeah, like a, uh, goes all Hulk. Yeah, he, uh, he gets huge and tries to fight them. He tries to get Scooby. And, I mean, not a lot of plot stuff happens. They just kind of do chases. Oh, Daphne uh, beats up a masked wrestler. A yep. suit, like a, from Telemundo. Yes, from Telemundo. And all the souls are returned. Yep. And the souls are returned, and they save the day. But one thing is, so they have the body switch-ups. Does all the souls go back to the right bodies, or is yeah. there, like, some identity thing? Like, oh, I, I'm so-and-so, and then, like, no, I'm him, blah, blah, blah. Because that's what I'm wondering, because they never show, like, the souls going to the correct bodies. They just show them popping in. And that could have been a good, that could have been a funny joke mm-hmm. that they do is, like, uh, oh, no, sorry, uh, Craig's over here. Uh, hold on, just <laughs> give me a second. Just pops out and goes to the other body. We're just supposed to assume everything went right. I really want to know what happened to Melvin Dew, man. Mel, okay, I'm going to get back to that <laughs> later, too. But they, also the real Mr. Bean comes out of a trap door yep. uh, that he was locked away in. And they go outside. Velma, or Daphne and Fred get together. Fred gives Velma credit for the mission, because that was more. her character arc. And, Yeah. And that, that is the movie with it all right now. Well, of course, you can't forget the, the mid credit scene in which oh, Scooby yes. and Shaggy have a pepper-eating challenge, <laughs> because that was necessary for the film. Ending on a strong one. Always end on a strong joke. Yeah. So, that's the whole plot. Uh, Taylor, what do you want to fix? Uh, I don't want Scrappy to be the villain. That's the biggest thing for me. Do you want him to be in the movie at all? He can reference him. I don't think it's something that he needs to be in it right now. I don't think he actually should be in it. Mm-hmm. You're trying to establish the main five, uh, their personalities and all that. And if you have 
scrappy, things get a little, like, complicated at times. Yeah. One thing I wondered, and I know they sort of touch on this in the sequel, what if the whole island was run by multiple villains that they had thwarted in the past, mm-hmm. and that they just, like, completely forgot about? Like, Mr. Beans is like, I was your first one, and <laughs> you know, I always thought you would remember your first, but you didn't, you looked me right in the eyes, and just were like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And maybe the guy from the opening scene comes back. Actually, that was supposed to. That was part of the one of the original scripts, which we can get into that later. Oh, okay. Uh, but the not not the one that you just said, but the original guy coming back and being the villain at the end. Oh, uh, which could be funny. But I do like the idea of having past villains come back, and like <laughs> one guy could be like, "You've solved three of my crimes. You've unmasked me three times." It's like, oh, sorry. Uh, it we we unmask a lot of people yeah. every week. <laughs> It is a once-a-week adventure we go on. Yeah. It's sort of... The thing with that, though, is, like, do you want to make it possible for the audience to figure out who the villain is, or do you just want to, like, go and have fun with it? Yeah, because you could, like, you know, do what most things do and, like, foreshadow the villain, show whoever it is throughout the film, and then at the end reveal who it is. Right. Or you could just go for a total surprise and be, like, and play with the Scooby-Doo formula a little bit. Yeah, I think what could have been fun for them is, like, to use old villain names, like, of the actual people, and just mm-hmm. plug that from the cartoon show and plug that into the movie, like, oh, it's uh, Mr. Smithers, like, oh, yeah, and then at the end, it's like, I was old man Smithers, you, and you're like, oh, oh, oh I'm so sorry, God, <laughs> sorry, so that was ago. that was so season two, I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's a good idea, definitely, what you said earlier about not breaking them up. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea. Just raise the tension and just because then the the fun of it is when they like play off of each other's stereotypes. Right. Like Daphne, you know, being the damsel in distress and Velma doing everything and never getting credit for it. And Fred being like, you know, an airhead and Scooby and Shaggy clearly being uh stoners yep. uh who who love food. I think it's a it's it would have worked out so much better if they were closer and they had more time to like be a, be a unit. Yeah, I think there, there's more time you you can use then to like tell them or explain their characters a bit more and mm-hmm. get into maybe a backstory or a quiet scene between other people rather than just like spend the first twelve minutes getting them back together after the first yeah. three minutes they're together and eh, something eh. like that. I think something what else could have been really fun is instead of, like, Scooby being tricked into being a sacrifice, mm-hmm. that he sort of, like, offers himself up. Yeah. So, like, say they're caught and they're ready to, like, they're going to be stuck there, and Mr. Bean says, like, I don't need the other four of you, I just need Scooby, like, you would be free to leave. And then they're all like, no, we're not going to. And Scooby's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'll it's okay. And then they come back and, like, come save themselves. Save yeah. Because that, that could be the thing, because after they're deciding they want to break up, and Scooby's sacrifice is what brings them back together. Yeah. Which would make it, make it work, and it would make Scooby more of a central figure in the movie, because, like, that all five of them kind of separate the plot a lot, and, yeah. like, and separate the stories, that there's no... Everyone's allowed to have their own character arc in a movie, but if you deviate too much, there's not enough time to get to know anybody. And I feel like they... They separate themselves too much, where the ones you get the most are Scooby and Shaggy, and that's just because they're the simplest of the five. Yeah. Definitely, we need to cut out Velma's boyfriend. Yes. Uh, unless you're going to actually do more with him. Mm-hmm. Which, 
that again will go into stuff that we might want to talk about later, why he was included in this whole thing. Yeah, I feel uh, like they definitely were trying to just cut him out entirely, mm-hmm. but then they couldn't do certain things. Like, the whole scene of him coming up to the bar would just be like, hey, what's up? Yeah, because Velma needed to, like, talk to someone about it. Yeah. But that could have been one of those, like, classic scenes where they, like, sit around a fire, and they're like, remember the old times together? And like, oh, Scooby, remember when we, we threw your cut, your nephew out <laughs> to the side of the curb? Because if, if Scrappy's not going to be the villain, then we don't need that specific flashback. Yeah. But we they could still have, like, you know, reminiscing on old times. Yeah. I'm, but instead of having Velma's boyfriend do that, just have that be Mary Jane. Yeah. Trying to figure out who, what the whole backstory to them is. And then maybe we could ease tensions or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's something there. It, yeah. d- it just shouldn't have been Velma's boyfriend who gets that whole exposition yeah. dump onto. I feel like... Velma's also not the one who misses them, because mm-hmm. Velma's the one who quits in the first place. It would have been better if it was like Shaggy being like, "God, it is I really miss these guys? If only we could be like, as, have as much fun as we used to when we were kids." They could all. It could have just been Mary Jane and Shaggy like hanging out at like some stoner thing, like just be mm-hmm. like, "Man, I just miss the good times." Like, let me paint you the story, yeah. man. And blah <laughs> now, blah. In the opposite direction of where we're going, though with, you know, giving them more character moments, I think they could have easily done such a better parody job of Scooby-Doo because that's kind of what they're trying to do a little bit is be like, is the whole point of the first scene is to show, like, the tropes of Scooby-Doo and the point of them quitting in the first place is to be like, this is stupid. Everything that we're doing is happens over and over again. And them, like, making fun of it and having... And the fact that they're now celebrities, like... It's part of it that, like, they solve so many crimes in so many ways with, like, these intricate plots. Like, how would they not have been famous already if they were uh, on it, like, if they were solving mysteries in the real world? Right. And it's, like, it's a really cool idea, like, to do that. And then they just abandon it, basically, after that moment. And they could easily do more things where, like, uh, I don't know, you could, I don't know, I, I would need more time to think of, like, different, different uh, ways of parodying themselves right but it definitely seems like something that would be easy to do for a scooby-doo like my theater group in college just put on a a scooby-doo parody that while uh you know not written by james gunn uh (laughs) was definitely playing more into the idea of like everything about scooby-doo is ridiculous let's show you the ways but also here's here's some characters that you like yeah no there there's very easy ways for them to parody scooby-doo because when you really get down to the bare bones, Scooby-Doo is just the kid's version of CSI. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a mystery, everything. There's a culprit, blah, blah, blah. And it's very formulaic. Like, there's stuff to do with that. Yeah, I, it, there's definitely ways to get to get around it and to make it, to play with the idea of, like, we do this every week. And now we're in this bigger mess that we're, that we're, way, in, we're in way over our heads. Right. Is there anything else you think could have been done to make it a little more smoother story-wise uh, or anything you would want to change? Not really. I think what you said is good. Don't break them up. Change the villains to something more rec- Scooby-Doo recognizable. <laughs> Cut out the, the miscellaneous boyfriend. But I think that almost leads into our next topic of what could have been. Yeah. So you've done a little more research on this than I have yes. of the backstory between everyone that worked on this originally, mm-hmm. just to give people a heads up, the writer for this 
was James Gunn. He's known for writing and directing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies mm-hmm. and known for some other things, but those are big, big shots. And then this was directed by a man named... Uh, Raja Gosnell. And he, uh, he used to be an editor for comedies, and then he was given his first shot at directing with uh, Home Alone 3. And since then, he has directed mostly, mostly family comedies, which are both Scooby-Doo movies, uh, two Smurfs movies. It's a, it's the, uh, a lot of the, the CGI characters in the real world movies. Yep, you can't forget the Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Can never forget Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And then he most recently came out with Show Dogs. But, uh, so the whole, the whole backstory with this movie is the original pitch for it that James Gunn really wanted to do was to do a dark adult version of Scooby-Doo in which a lot of the things that we've been talking about would be more addressed and allowing the the character tropes to play out but also like not just the character tropes but some of the secret uh, fan theories things like Velma is a lesbian that was originally supposed to be part of it in which she and Daphne either have a secret relationship or Velma keeps like pining after Daphne and she's just not noticing Fred definitely being more of an airhead Scooby and Shaggy not being referenced as stoners, def- like overtly they are stoners. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. All the all the stuff on the island would have been amped up to be like these are crazy college party kids, and these are like the, the family friendly like ones showing up on the island, like kind of going being out of place in the world. And the studio originally picked it up to like be a PG thirteen version. Oh. And fun fact: James Gunn confirmed last year. That there is, in fact, like a cut of this film that is R-rated. Wow! Which uh, allegedly that's mostly due to how much uh, not nudity, but how scantily clad Velma and Daphne get at certain moments, mm. and a lot that's because in America the rating system is usually defined more on sex and language than on violence. So it was a lot, a lot of the uh, the more scandalous moments and the adult jokes that got it pushed to an R rating. And then the studio wanted it to be PG-13, and then at some point, they just decided to uh, say, no, we're going we're gonna to make this a family movie. They need to release the Snyder Cut, man. No, need they to need to release <laughs> the Snyder Cut of Scooby-Doo, yeah. which I, I think would be such a cool idea. That's kind of the thing that I would have wanted in a Scooby-Doo movie. And I, I think we were like 40 years on from Scooby-Doo when the movie came out, so it would be time to... To, to age it up for a, a funny version of it. I understand the movie studios, why they changed that. You don't want your the first movie of Scooby-Doo to be the Deadpool of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Like, that yeah. It is such a child IP. Like, you could have gotten parents there being like, oh, it's PG-13, but it's just probably because they swear sometimes. And then I could only imagine the response parents would have had to a movie like that. No, they, they, I mean, they did a version of what I was describing in 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. where the whole, the TV show is nothing like the movie, and it's a big parody of itself, which does make more sense to do, like, a change it from a teen drama to, like, a raunchy comedy rather than a family TV show, and a, like, kids TV show into a raunchy comedy. I, I get it from their perspective, but I think there's just such, there's just such rich material for them to play off of. There's a way they could have done it, like, something like that, a little more subtly, where, like, this movie is, like, very, very subtle, like, with the first scene after the group breaks up, Scooby and Shaggy are in 
the van together and there's smoke coming out and the song is called like Hitty the Hit Hit Puff Puff Pass. Yeah, which you you can figure out what that's about, guys. The subtlety is fun, but uh like you really need to be looking for it in this. Oh, I guess Mary Jane, that's not very subtle. But like if you're a well, kid you're not you're gonna kid, realize yeah, that. No kids don't know what Mary Jane means. Yeah. I was just like, oh, she's like the Spider Man girlfriend, you know? That actually makes sense. That's kinda what I was thinking when I saw it. Yeah. Well, did it come out around the same time as Spider-Man? Oh, uh, yeah. It came out in 2002. So Spider-Man came out in 2001, I think. Maybe late, early 20... Or 2002. <laughs> 2002. They, uh, yeah, I think it is when Spider-Man came out. So there were two Mary Janes back in the early 2000s. Two iconic Mary Janes. Yeah. It's... I'm trying to think of other production things. It's mostly just the fact that James Gunn, the other guy who made, who wrote the story with him, like they wanted to do this more updated version of the of the of the property, and yeah. Do you think a two thousand two audience would have accepted a Velma and Daphne like lesbian romance esque, even if it was just hinted at? I think they'd be okay with it if it was played as a joke, because people people have still been you know more receptive to things and you know parents leagues still exist, but they were definitely more in full force in the early 2000s. Right. And I think if they overtly stated something, I think that wouldn't have flown over as well. But if they made it kind of like a subtlety or like a joke, then it would have worked. I think it would be a great story element to make that a thing that like Fred's trying to go after Daphne this whole time and he doesn't understand why she's rejecting him. (laughs) And it's just because they've been together this whole time. I just understand the studio's point of view. Like if... Beauty and the Beast is going to get banned from Russia because Josh Glad just, like, looks at it, dude. Yeah. If there's... If we're back in 2002, if we're making those types of references or if we're insinuating something, I don't think that type of... That... Back then, I don't think that audience reacts the same way. No, I, I agree. Time changes things, and I think it wouldn't have played as well then but i think it still would have uh, it would have played to an audience and it would be more i don't say more remembered but definitely possibly more respected as long as they made the joke somewhat tasteful about it because they could they could have just done the typical like pg-13 comedy like oh my god they're kissing and then that's it (laughs) do you think because the island is basically just like a college spring break town that that's a lot of the humor was going to come from that script is it's a college movie Mm-hmm. In Scooby Doo, yeah, I think that was what it was mostly supposed to be—to play to the older audiences and to like try and you know show a little bit more of them. Okay. I mean, apparently the film like was like really supposed to be R-rated PG thirteen right up until like they started shooting, and then you know they still had a little bit of the R rating because of the the nudity and some of the jokes uh, originally, but it definitely was toned down a lot. So you also sort of just, like, said there was something to do with Velma's boyfriend? Oh, yeah. Uh, That's what I'm thinking. Sorry, that's what I meant, is that Velma's boyfriend, I think, was either a reshoot or a very late-in-the-stage script addition to put this guy that Velma can be with so that they don't have to worry about the uh, lesbian thing. Because I think if they had, like, if they shot stuff that insinuated Daphne and Velma were together or Velma had a crush on Daphne, I think the way to counter that was that they put this boyfriend character in, and then once they eliminated all the scenes that hinted at Velma having a crush on Daphne, they were left with this boyfriend character <laughs> that now they didn't need and nobody wanted. Right. That's that's my that's my conspiracy theory on it. 
Well, I could see where that that could come from. I think the boyfriend's part does just get like cut down because I do believe they probably introduced each other in that first scene mm-hmm. with the fire pit and the bald guy. But the punchline for all that though is at the end when they get the souls back together and the boyfriend is just like Thelma and they run up together. They don't kiss each other, right? Yeah. So she would be like, ha, hey, and he's like, hey, oh my god, I just became this, like, close call on death, like, let's make out, and she's like, ah. uh, uh, Let's just say I don't play like that, or yeah. something like that. They they could do that. Uh, or if, she, if he's just like, yeah, oh my god, how are you? She's like, I'm good, and then, like, he tries to go, and she's like, whoa. Because uh, well, they could have played up with something where it's like, oh, no, like, I just met you, like, yeah, they whoa, could- stop. They could have done something like that, but they uh, they don't. But they they do give a Velma boyfriend in the next movie, Seth Green. Mm. It's a uh, a choice, and I think once they realized they weren't going to do the gritty, uh, not gritty, but you know, darker, more adult version, they decided to really just allow things to be as they are. And Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed. They also always say like meddling kids. Uh, we're still not sure what their ages are, but they do <laughs> refer back to the time when they were in high school. And, like, solving mysteries together. So I'm not sure, like, the timeline or, like, the ages or anything. Because this was, like, I think all of them were, like, mid to late 20s at that point. Well, because Sarah Michelle Gellar definitely was because she was oh, doing yeah. Buffy at the time. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't. Freddie Prince Jr. could be anywhere between, like, 20 and 50 for me. I can't tell. Yeah, that seems about right. You know, one, one in between or, like, around that age, yeah. probably. Yeah, the rest of them I can't tell. What other things do you have about it? Well... If it was like this college fun rompy film, I I think we would be looking back on this being like, why did you mess with this IP so much? Like, just make it a little kids friendly and maybe just put the overtones on it. And so the mo- the film that's going to make the most money is the one that we got. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much you can really fix besides like the stuff that we've already talked about. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think there's too much more else to fix beyond it. It just is what it is. Yeah, I would have. I re- would love to see the Snyder cut of Scooby Doo. It's it's out there somewhere. It's on a flash drive. It's some not even a flash drive. Some PA had a floppy disk <laughs> of the of the R rated cut, and it exists. And it's out there somewhere. Someone just deep on the internet needs to be able to track it down and uh, get it for us. Which I'm sure it's like not a perfect cut, and I'm sure there's not like a ton of visual effects to it, but. Visual effects like definitely don't hold up now. No, like they the, the monster bunnies and Scooby yeah. look like PS2 cutscenes. No, Scooby they do a better job with Scooby, but they clearly did not spend a lot of time on the on the demons that are uh, infecting the, the souls. Yeah, and I'm not going to judge it too much. It was very young, 2002. Yeah. But the, the the scene where Shaggy's grabbing souls out of the well and he's holding them. They clearly are not trying to put them between his fingers because he's, like, trying to pinch them. They're just clearly, like, CGI'd in front of his hand, <laughs> and we're just kind of just allowing them to just be there in that way. Yeah. They, uh, they're, I don't know what the budget was like on this thing, but it, it doesn't show if it was more than $8. Oh, I, for, I completely forgot the thing. We talk on the show about how what we would change. Here's something I would never change about this film. Melvin Dew has to stay. <laughs> There's a joke in the movie, and I'm going to explain this, where the when uh, Scooby is getting tricked into going to the, to wood, into the woods, the bartender has a, gets a phone call, and it says, I'm looking for a Mr. Dew, 
Mr. Do and Scooby approaches, and then this guy standing next to him says, are you looking for Melvin Do? And the bartender's like, no, I'm looking for a Scooby-Doo. And Scooby walks over and picks up the phone. Not much of a joke there beyond the fact that someone has the name Do and his name's Melvin Do. Just that happens. And then an hour later, Scrappy in his big monstrous form, and they're like, there's like this big like ceremony that just happened. And Scooby's like scared and Scrappy's approaching him. He's like, give me Scooby-Doo. And then Scooby like, leans over and says, don't you mean Melvin do? And points to the side of the guy playing Melvin do is just standing right there. It's just the most out-of-left-field, <laughs> dumb joke that was set up. Like, it was set up as a bad joke, and then it pays itself off as this amazing, <laughs> horrible joke. I think Melvin do deserves his own spinoff, everything about him, and Mel... If nothing gets saved from this film, if we if we completely script doctor the whole thing, the Melvin Dew joke needs to stay. I think Melvin Dew should have been the villain in Scooby Doo too. That would have been great, right? I think that's the best callback. To so be like, <laughs> how dare you take my good name and besmirch it, Scooby? <laughs> I am Melvin Dew. One thing I actually did think about when we were talking about like what's something we could substitute with Scrappy. Is like, what if we had made a character that like idolizes Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. and then they sort of just like ignore the kid, and he ends up being like the villain to think like the Incredibles mm-hmm. villain arc. Yeah, would that work, or would that be too obvious if you if we have the opening scene, someone's like, "I love you guys," whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, it would have." I mean, it would have been too obvious, but yeah. like, it still would have worked, probably just as good as a Scrappy Doo villain. Okay, so I don't think it's a, a bad idea. If you introduce more characters alongside that character that are like, you know, red herrings, they uh, they would have that would have worked out too. You said something where back in the script they originally had the main villain uh, in the opening scene yeah. be the bad guy. What that, do you have anything else to elaborate on that? No, I just uh, that was one of the the internet rumors, the on those trivia pages it, in like the I don't know if it said the original script or in just a version of the script. Scrappy wasn't part of it. The villain at the beginning is Old Man Smithers, uh, the janitor yes. from the thing, uh, from the factory. And then at the end, like, it just goes throughout. You don't hear, and you don't have any clues as to who the villain is. And then at the end, it's revealed to be Old Man Smithers again. And that's uh, that's at least what I got from it. So uh, I think that could have been funny, and that fits in line with your thing, where it's like all the, all the villains, come, like different villains come back and uh, go after them. And that, that would be like the ultimate thing, that he's the king villain. He's the most <laughs> recently captured, and he's the, like, for some reason, thinks that he deserves the most revenge. Yeah. It's not bad. I liked that. It's probably people would not have seen that coming. Uh, so, uh, I don't know how much more you want to do, but I do have a question about the world of this movie, yeah. in which if there's this, like, this overabundance of uh, people who dress up as these characters to like scare people away or like be villains and terrorize people, and the group breaks up for two years. Who, who's taking care of these guys? Do do the people of the world just think that there are a bunch of ghosts haunting mansions <laughs> now that just have them? And is has anybody taking care of this problem? Are the police coming in to try and take care of the ghost problem or the the headless horseman problem or whatever it is? What what are, what are they doing? And no one's doing anything about it. What are these guys doing now that they are now that they have to keep up the ghost like thing? Do they just have these mansions? Do they just have these things that they can't do anything with because they started this elaborate lie? I think they probably hire the Discovery Channel ghost hunters, <laughs> and they are the guys that try and do it all now. But they just like don't know what they're doing, and the villains just get away with it. 
Wouldn't that uh, that would actually be such a great joke for the adult <laughs> version of this, where they if they do break up, like <laughs> the like Scooby and Shaggy are trying to do like their own two man detective team, <laughs> and then they show up, and then the people up there are like, oh no, we got the ghost hunters from the Travel Channel. Uh, you guys, we're we're good now. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, we're going to be on TV, and we're not paying them anything. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you you guys are the scary dogs. And we have the scary cats here, like, and they're just a little <laughs> cheaper, so... So, sorry, guys. That's funny. Yeah. And All then, right, chalk that one, put that one on the whiteboard. <laughs> Go. It's probably in the Snyder Cut, man. Well, for whatever Warner Bros. Brothers, it inevitably reboots the movie. I'm fine with a reboot of this. I think... I really liked the cast was the problem. Yeah. Yep. I think that's, that's Scooby-Doo for y'all. Yep. I believe that is Scooby-Doo also. So, uh... Basically, what's if, if we're script doctoring? What's what's your script? What's what's your story look like? You open it the same way. Don't have the characters break up. They have tension throughout the movie. We go throughout. They find the same mysteries and all that. Turns Scooby then willingly sacrifices himself to save the gang, and the gang comes back together to save Scooby. Then we find out that everyone that was working there was old villains that they had previously like incarcerated or gone to jail and they come back together as a group good i yep. think that sounds about right and we have james gunn's version is like a the snyder cut really set the same yes in an ideal world but yeah that's basically it thank you guys for listening so much and make sure to subscribe to the podcast and we'll be back with you with another one soon all right have fun everybody all right adios